This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to The Game Changers, a podcast that highlights the success of female athletes across Northwest Arkansas and beyond. Here's your host, Ethan Westerman of the Hog Sports Network. Everyone, welcome into The Game Changers podcast. Today is Friday, September 15th. I'm your host, Ethan Westerman, and I want to thank you for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed these so far. Um, in case you're new here, this is a place where each week we highlight athletes, coaches, and others involved with all the different women's sports teams at the University of Arkansas. I think today's going to be a really fun episode. I'm excited in a minute to bring on Hall of Fame coach Gary Blair alongside the longest tenure person in the Arkansas women's basketball program, Amber Shirey. We're going to talk about the weekend of festivities happening to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the 1998 Final Four team, and we're going to hear from those two about what that Cinderella run was like. Real quick first, though, we need to do our weekly update of all the women's sports teams who are in action. Uh, we'll start with the volleyball team, which had a 3-0 weekend in Bowling Green, which included defeating a really good Western Kentucky team that's been ranked for much of this year. Uh, winning all those games in the Invitational helped the Razorbacks to r- rise to number 16 in the AVCA Top 25, which is the highest ranking since September 1999. I wrote a piece on this over at wholehogsports.com if you want to check it out, but none of the current players on the team were alive the last time Arkansas was ranked that high. Uh, They have a final non-conference weekend before SEC play, which gets underway today at noon with a match against Buffalo. That's in the St. John's Tournament in Queens, New York, and Arkansas will play the hosts later today and then Bryant tomorrow. The soccer team has not played since we last recorded, but they'll get SEC play underway tonight at Tennessee. That'll be at 6 p.m. on SEC Network+. Plus. And then Arkansas also hosts Grand Canyon on Sunday at 1 p.m., then has a huge match next Thursday against number 7 Alabama. Uh, We'll update you on how all that goes uh, next week. And then softball, it gets its fall slate started on Sunday at noon. They'll be facing McLennan Community College for an exhibition, which is open to the public at Bogle Park. Uh, That should be fun to go out there and see all the new faces on the team in action if you have a chance. Uh, a few more upcoming events. Swim and Dive has its red-white inter-squad meet today at 3 p.m., and the women's tennis team will host the PTT 25K here in Fayetteville this upcoming Monday through Sunday. That's uh, September 18th through 24th at the Billingsley Tennis Center. Well, on the other end of this break, I'll be joined by Gary Blair and Amber Shirey to bring up that 1998 women's basketball team which stole the hearts of many. Stay on top of all Arkansas Razorback sports with a Digital Plus subscription on the Hogs Illustrated app. Get complete Razorbacks coverage in one location. Your subscription gives you 20-plus issues of Hogs Illustrated magazine, the most unique and compelling coverage anywhere in the state, plus total access to all the content on wholehogsports.com, including breaking news, commentaries, analysis, features, recruiting, award-winning photos, and premium message boards. Subscriptions start at just $17 per month. Join the Hog Sports Network team at subscribe.waco.com. That's subscribe.wehco.com. Or call 479-684-5509 to get your front row seat to Arkansas Razorback Sports. Go Hogs! Well, this is really special today. It's a treat to be joined in the studio today by legendary Arkansas women's basketball coach Gary Blair alongside Amber Shirey, who's been with the program for 36 years and is the current director of basketball operations. Uh, Having Gary and Amber on was able to happen because this weekend is the 1998 team's 25th year anniversary of the Final Four. They're celebrating that this weekend. So it's a treat to have you both here in the same room, and uh, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, thanks for having us. Ethan, it's nice to be remembered every now and then, and I'm hoping a lot of people out there that just cover 
and listen to Arkansas athletics. And there was a lot of good things happening back in uh, 98 back then, not just for women's basketball, but for the state of Arkansas. And uh, Bill Clinton was our president back there. And uh, there's just a lot of great memories about that year of 98, but about my 10 years here at Arkansas. Well, I don't know which of you will be able to answer this better, but would you mind walking me through what all is happening this weekend to celebrate the team, kind of what the next two days might look like for you? Yeah, Ethan, we've got uh, quite a bit on tap, but um, starting today, people will start filtering in, get a tour of the of the facility, the practice facility. Some of them haven't, you know, haven't ever seen that. Um, later tonight, we'll have a dinner over at Coach Neighbors to celebrate that 1998 team. Um, and then tomorrow, uh, we have a tailgate, and then the, the group will get recognized at the football game and at Hogtown, which I think they'll. some of them have never seen Hogtown. It's kind of crazy up there. But we're looking forward to it and looking forward to seeing everybody. Will this be the first time y'all are all y'all been all together again since that year? Uh, I've seen people throughout, but never as a group. And so this is going to be a lot of fun. There was a lot of good memories, and that was a very good basketball team. So let's talk about that run, the 98 run, where I think it's fair to say defied most odds to make it to where you did. Um, I kind of want to walk through that, that tournament round by round a little bit, um, starting off with I know first y'all weren't sure, especially before the SEC tournament that year, you'd even get a spot in the dance. Will you talk me through, I guess, uh, the buildup to that tournament, um, seeing your name come across the screen? We had some highs and lows that year. That's just building a team and getting the chemistry right. But we also knew we had a senior point guard in Christy Smith. And that's where you win is at the guard play. I mean, I'm not saying anything about post play. We had good post players and everything, but uh, I still believe championships are won with point guard play. And... Christy was also coming off of her junior year where she blew her ACL. And so you're never fully back that year, but we also were not very deep at her position. And that senior year, she played every minute of the conference play, every minute of the playoffs. She never came out. And that's unheard of, no matter what the score is or whatever, but we just didn't have a, a lot of depth at the point guard position. So she found a way to do it. And the last time I took her out was at the Final Four with about nine or ten seconds to go, and I still remember we had a chance to embrace right there. But I think, correct me, we were seven and seven in conference play mm -hmm. and we also knew that we needed to win the first two games to be able to or at least win one game to go to the NCAA and we did we won our first two ball games played very well got beaten the third uh, semifinals but uh, we were on our way and I saw in a documentary I watched that you know the team didn't really care about who they were playing at that point they were just they saw their name on the screen that they've been selected. Amber, you've been a part of now quite a few teams that have seen their name come across that screen. What's that moment like each year? Um, 
you know, whenever that happens, are you ever really focused on who you're playing right away? No, you're just excited that to see your name on that screen. And um, that particular moment, I, I remember Celia Anderson, for one, like just going crazy. And um, that it was just a special moment to see their all their hard work pay off. And just the uneasy feeling of not knowing whether you were going to get in or not get in. I think, you know, it was just a huge relief for them. Well, once you did figure out you're in and had time to process who you're playing, you see Hawaii waiting in that first 8-9 game, which... Doing my research, right? That's not an easy eight, eight seed opponent by any stretch of the imagination back then. Uh, what was that like playing them? Well, Vince Gu was the coach at Hawaii, and I think they had won their league, and they were a solid team and just quick running a motion. It was sort of like when you play those overseas teams in exhibition games over there. Motion offense, five guards. Very little post play, but they can all shoot and they can run. You just had to find them. And so we prepared very well. And Amber, Vic Schaefer, uh, Trina. Trina Tillis, and uh, I'm trying to remember. That's all the coaches. Right That's there. all the coaches. <laughs> That's back now. They, they've got twice as many coaches. <laughs> but... It was just we worked well as a unit. We shared responsibility, and I learned how to delegate very well. And I trusted my staff. And so on the preparation, each one of them had their part in preparing for the tournament. But we took it that one game at a time. We were just excited to be the Final Four. This was Arkansas's first time ever to go to a Final Four. And so... When we got out there, we were playing at Stanford. Stanford was number one in the nation, and they were loaded. Tara Vanderveer, uh, she'd won already two national championships. And then we had Hawaii, and I believe, was it Virginia? No, we had Harvard next. No, I'm talking oh. about the other team that uh, – Harvard, that's right. I'm sorry, I'm thinking the regional. But all of a sudden – we prepared, and we won the game, I think, by nine or ten points or something like that. We played very well against Hawaii. But at the same time, we were picked to lose that ball game. Robin Roberts, who's now Good Morning America, and Mimi Griffin were the studio hosts. They picked us to lose every game in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. And but so we sort of laughed that off, but we found a way to make it work, and that's what happened in the in the Hawaii game. We just did what we were supposed to. We played like we did the first two ball games in the SEC tournament, where I thought we turned on. Uh, we had Carolyn Car Carlin at the four, Karen Jones at the five, Stia Messer at the three. Uh, Wendy Willits did not start a game until the NCAA tournament. I made that switch just because we felt like we needed more three-point shooting, and we moved Kamara Stancil, uh, a junior college player that was a great player for us. We moved her to be super sub. And then Christy Smith, of course, was our point guard. Chemistry was great. Our depth and playoff time was pretty good as well. So you 
you defeat Hawaii, and the natural thought is probably, oh, we got Stanford next on their home court. But Amber, as you're watching that game progress between them and Harvard, I'm sure that the preparation within the assistant coaching room for scouting opponent, as the game progressed, you had to kind of change gears. <laughs> we did. Uh, I remember sitting on uh, press row there or whatever on the, you know, on the on the floor with Coach Schaefer and, and Trina. And uh, I think each, you know, Coach Schaefer was scouting Stanford and I don't know who had Harvard. Somebody had Harvard but really wasn't paying a lot of attention probably to them. Um, and I remember turning to Coach Schaefer and going, we better start watching Harvard. And, uh, you know, they were able to pull that monumental upset off. And, uh, you know, in our minds we're like, this is our, this is our chance. I think with about five minutes to go in the ball game, I think I was sitting right behind them. And I said, somebody also better be watching Harvard because they had an All-American, Allison Feaster, on that team that was just doing. And the Stanford coaches were just very calm, cool, and collective. They never got excited because they were going to win this ball game. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't going their way. Feaster took over just like she was Rudy or something, took the game over, and they ended up winning it, and Stanford had to look around and say, oh, my gosh, we've got to come back here and be part of the next ball game in the stands or selling popcorn. And I used that line a lot later on. I always told my kids, we better never lose at home where there's a game after us or we will be selling the popcorn upstairs. Well, that game, like you said, even though you were facing a 16 seed, a lot of people just were riding that momentum of, oh, they just beat the one. And actually, y'all were to some an underdog in that game, as crazy as to say, against a 16 seed. But you talked about Wendy Willits. It seemed like that was a game that she really – just hit her stride. Will you talk about what it was like to see her step into that that spotlight and think she still holds the school's record for three-point makes in an NCAA tournament game? I think, uh, in fact, earlier in that year, I think uh, we were playing in Boston or somewhere earlier in that year. She lit it up coming off the bench, mm -hmm. and we said, my gosh, this is a kid that can shoot. There's so many Wendy Willett stories we'll get into later. But in that game, we built up Harvard like they were Stanford, okay? And no stone was left unturned. And we made this is our chance to, to go to the Sweet 16, to keep advancing. And our staff did a great job of preparing. We ran a couple of new plays I think we'd put in and – it was just a team effort. We found that way to, and we won by 18 points. So you defeat Harvard. You get to come back home for a little bit, correct? Or was no, you just stay in California? We stayed out there. I knew the next yeah. round was out there. I didn't know if y'all had a chance to come back before you went. So y'all lived in California <laughs> there for a little bit. About two weeks. It or... was going into our spring break. And so this was also Chancellor John White's first year as chancellor here. He had taken over for Dan Ferreter, and Bev Lewis was our athletic director. And we were not doing charters all, of, all the time back there. So we just decided, why go back and not have enough preparation? 
let's just stay out there, see the sights, practice every day. And that's what we did. And people, I did an NCAA press conference on the boat back from Alcatraz <laughs> when we were sitting there doing a tourist thing. I was sitting there on the boat, on the deck with the NCAA on television cameras doing the, the podcast. I guess I don't think they called it podcast back then. But we saw every site in San Francisco. So and, I'm, I'm guessing back then y'all were kind of in your, you know, kind of in your own world. Y'all were just probably very focused on yourself as a team and didn't really feel the I don't know, maybe the effect of what was going on back in Arkansas, the team with fans keeping up with you. Right. No, I think we were kind of in our own world, and I think that kind of really helped us, just the bonding and being together and um, just keeping that momentum going. But, you know, back then, you know, it wasn't like there wasn't a lot of Internet and social media <laughs> and all that. So we knew our fans were keeping up with us, and they were staying up late to watch us, but it, it's – Certainly not like it is today. During a press conference, that's when I named our team Good Morning America's team because it was too late. Our games were being played on the West Coast at 8 o'clock, which is 10 o'clock back here, which is 11 o'clock Eastern time zone. And so a lot of our friends were watching back there, and uh, they just said they couldn't stay awake through the whole ball game. It was too late for the newspaper editions and everything like that to have the score of our ball game. So they had to tune in the next morning, either somebody on radio or something. And so I called us Good Morning America's team. <laughs> so you're doing this out there, you're Good Morning America's team because nobody's really watching you. But then – if you weren't underdogs then already, you really were going into these next two rounds. You had Kansas, who I believe was a five seed, correct? Yes. And then you had, on the other end of that, Duke, which was one of the best teams in the nation. Um, we walked me through those two games, how you were able to keep that momentum just going and punch the program's first ever Final Four ticket. I still remember <clears throat> uh, we were – the ACC thought they were going to get four teams or at least three teams in because Stanford was gone. But then all of a sudden I forgot who got upset and NC State ended up making the Final Four and nobody else from the ACC. And so we did what we were supposed to. And uh, we worked hard that week. And everybody identified what their role was going to be going forward. That's what you have to do. You have to massage the egos. You have to put everybody in. I said, this is not just a vacation. We cannot just be happy of where we are. Everybody's going to go back and pat us on the back and say, hey, very good year, the whole nine yards, but what's next? I said, what's next is trying to win these two ball games." And against Kansas and legendary coach Miriam Washington there, their top player was Lynn Pride, who I knew very well. She was a Dallas Lincoln kid where I'm from. And so uh, we just said, let's throw the whole kitchen sink. And I don't think they were expecting us to be that good. And the game plan was good. Movement. <clears throat> 
<clears throat> I cannot tell you who the leading scorer in that ball game was. It's probably Messer. It's Messer. She she had a great game that game. Was that the one she had 28 in? I don't know how many points she had, but she had a big game <laughs> against Kansas. <laughs> I, y'all pressed that game a lot, right? I think so. Oh, yeah. Uh, we We wanted to sometimes make it ugly. And to do that, take teams out of what they want to do. We do not want a team to walk down the middle of the court, hold up a signal, and say, run it. We want them to have to make a couple passes before they even can get into their offense. And so uh, Coach Schaefer did a great job of putting the defensive game plan in, and our kids just bought into it. Uh, Remember, we were six foot and under. We had a couple of larger kids off the bench, but Karen Jones is only 6'6 at the five position. And Karen Carlin is a six-footer at the four positions. Tia Messer, 5'9", Wendy Willits, 5'8", and Christy Smith, 5'6". I was the tallest player getting started, (laughs) 6'1 and a half. So I was trying to tower above everybody. But at the same time, we played well again, and – found a way to win, and I don't think we were ever behind in that ball game. Treva Treva also came on strong in those last two games. Treva Christensen had big games for us. So I've read that before that Duke game, and Amber, I want you to talk about what this was like uh, hearing this. I've heard that before you got off the bus, Coach Blair, uh, he said, don't get off this bus if you don't expect to win. Mm -hmm. The whole nation, probably a lot of the experts (laughs) – didn't think y'all had a chance to win this one, but what was that like hearing Coach Blair say that, and what was the belief like in the team? Well, I just remember it being deathly quiet on the bus. Everybody's in game mode or whatever, and, you know, we pulled up to the loading dock, and before we got off, it's still super quiet, and Coach stands up and, and says that, and not one player flinched. I mean, they were up and off the bus, so I think that belief – he had instilled it throughout the week, and I don't think there was a doubt, in, uh, you know, a doubt in their mind. I think uh, you go back to Treva Christensen. I'm not sure if that was the the Duke game or the Kansas game, but she hit a shot along the baseline. She was a great offensive player. I mean, uh, she couldn't guard this table around here sometimes. And Coach Schaefer kept wanting to take her out. And I said, no, she scored, and we can outscore them. And all of a sudden, she made an impossible shot from about 22 feet. And I remember I was doing a 360 going around with my hands up in the air. And Coach Schaefer was probably just shaking his head, worried about the next defensive possession. But she was a Joplin, Missouri kid that was in that first recruiting class along with Christy and uh, along with Karen Jones and Tiffany Wright and uh, Treva Christensen and Christy Smith. That was the team that took us to the Final Four in their fourth year, that first first recruiting class. So I'm sure that that was special. I, you know, the video of Christy falling to the ground after the game and everybody kind of, you know, coming around here, I'm sure that was a bit more special considering that background of what they had gone through and this was their final year. Absolutely, and Coach can speak to this, but, you know, down the stretch in that game, Christy had to step up and make some free throws to kind of ice the game, and 
You want to talk about her past experience with the free throws? <laughs> We're playing Ole Miss and Van Chancellor, 7,000 people, and we're behind. And we almost make the greatest comeback ever in Arkansas history. We were down five with 3.8 seconds to go. And we put the Christian Leitner play in. And I'm trying, Treva Christensen, through the pass, three-quarter court, Kim Wilson got the ball, shot it, went in nothing but net. Okay. Now, this is not the 98 team. This is leading up to it. But we got the confidence that she could hit that shot. It was a Christian Leitner play. She got it. Uh, we were calling timeouts. The ball went through midair because Wilson's that good of a shooter. We called timeout. We set up the full-court defense to try to take a charge because we were down to zero zero point three seconds left on the clock. And so all of a sudden, uh, Christy took the charge. And, and they all, called it. <laughs> and they called it. I think it was Wesley Dean. Who made the call? Doug Cloud. Doug Cloud made the call. And he blew it. And then I said, is his hand going to go up or not? He made the call. And he went that way. We're going to the free throw line. And Christy Smith is leading the SEC in free throw. This was as a freshman. 90 point something percent. Because she always does the same thing when she goes to the line. She bounces it uh, three times, takes a half spin, and says nothing but net when she releases it. First one goes in, and then I'd had a play in case she missed it, and I said, no, we can't do it. We're not going to run a cross-tip play. we got to trust her. She went up and shot. It rolled out. We lost the ball game. And that goes back. Christy, after that game, the next day, Tiffany writes her roommate, got up early before church and says, I'm going to the gym. She goes to the gym, puts about an hour in of shooting free throws right here in Bud Walton, then goes to church. So her senior year, here she is. Can you make the free throws, Christy? The score 72-72. She made the last four free throws to ice the game. And so that's when she they miss. She gets the ball, dribbles to half court, and then Kamara Stansel and her embrace right there on the floor, sliding in. And Beth Mowens, who's doing the ball game, do you believe in miracles? Christy Smith does. <laughs> and it's still the call in our museum down there that is still one of the best calls that's ever been made in men or women's basketball. Do you believe in miracles? Christy Smith does. And that game makes you the lowest seed ever to punch a ticket to the Final Four. I believe still to this day is the lowest seeded team to ever go to the Final Four. You load the bus, you fly in to, I believe, Tulsa, mm -hmm. and you make the bus ride back to Fayetteville. And we talk about what's waiting whenever you get here, Amber. Yeah, th um, I'm pretty sure if I remember right, we had a police escort, like from maybe even Siloam. From Siloam, man. Yeah, and so, whew, I always get emotional when I talk about this. Um, 
we turned the corner down here at Bud, and um, there's like four or 5,000 people there. Fans, you know, people couldn't make, really make the trip out to California, but fans, little kids, um, other sports, um, you know, on campus are there. And so when our girls saw that, they were just, you know, it just blew them away, really. And it was um, really a special, special time. Um, Houston Nutt was there with his whole football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they'd cut practice early to be there to greet us, mm-hmm. and we really appreciated that and all the other sports there as well. People holding up signs because when you're from the state of Arkansas and the Razorbacks are playing, you are America's team, okay? It's like the Dallas Cowboys all. You are America's team. That's what the state of Arkansas will do and support. But it was pretty special. It was special. It's something we didn't talk about. It's kind of neat, I thought, uh, in that whole experience. Our softball team happened to be out on the West Coast at the same time we were out there. And they ended up coming to a couple of a couple of our games. So I oh, wow. thought that was pretty cool. So you had a little fan base of <laughs> yeah. unexpected fan base yeah. there, I'm sure. And you've been, at this point, whenever you're all pulling in and seeing all those fans, I mean, you're probably a little bit homesick considering you've been out on the West Coast for over two weeks at that point. So I guess that was probably, you know, to have that type of reception coming back in probably just made made it all maybe set in a little bit what you'd done. Well, let me give you the time frame because back then we were playing the two to get to the Final Four were playing on Sunday, Monday. We played on Monday night, West Coast, still America's team. We could not fly back that day, so we got to wait, take that commercial flight back to Tulsa the next day. So we get into Tulsa about 2 o'clock, take the bus over to Fayetteville, get there about 4 o'clock on Tuesday. Okay, you get there, you have to go to class that next morning on Wednesday we got dirty clothes. We got dirty uniforms. We have to leave to go to the Final Four in Kansas City. On uh, We catch a charter plane out of here to go to Kansas City and leave here about 4 o'clock. So we had that one workout on Wednesday. That was it. Yeah, no, so we went Wednesday. I think we might have went Wednesday. Might have gone. So we got back here Tuesday at 4 and we're leaving the next day to go to the Final Four, okay? And I still remember we used to have a barbecue place here in town. Was it Fat Tony's? Mm-hmm, I think so. Fat Tony's, a great barbecue place down here. And he said, well, if you go to Kansas City, you've got to go to this place. My people will take care of you. <laughs> so we all went out there. And we had to drive about 45 minutes to get there. But the meal was good, and everybody uh, took care of us. And then the next day is Thursday, and all of a sudden it's a zoo. That's your press conferences. That's your practice on the court. And then you have to play Friday against the best team in America, Tennessee. And you're trying to – I mean, Kansas City's close enough for all your people to – travel to so you're trying to figure out tickets and all kinds of things it was it was kind of chaotic and you know they say hindsight's 2020 that Tennessee team you played that year was one of the best to ever play the game so what Mm -hmm. you know whenever you're looking back on that experience how I mean obviously you didn't want to lose that game but 
the fact that now you can look back and say, well, we went down, and you in the first half added a pretty competitive game. You went down to one of the best teams that's ever played women's basketball. Totally, and the funny thing about it, we finished second or third on Tamika Ketchens in recruiting. She'd played her senior and junior year at Duncanville in Dallas, and we recruited her hard, and we had the last visit, and she didn't decide to go to Tennessee, and she called me on the phone uh, right before signing. She says, Coach Blair, I love y'all. I know I would fit in well, but I can't pass up the chance to go to the Final Four because I knew Tennessee would be going to the Final Four. And here, our little six-foot-and-under team is going to the Final Four and playing the best team at that time ever to play in women's basketball was that 98 Tennessee team and still their best team they ever had. That was with the three Meeks and Kelly Jolly, who is now Kelly Harper, their head coach, had that team. So we had to get ready for that. But I wanted our staff to enjoy it. I'd been to Final Fours before at Louisiana Tech as an assistant, and I knew what the prep was work. After we did all the press conferences and the fanfare and all that and watched uh, uh, our cheerleaders and our band do all their thing, about 10 o'clock that night, I said, turn off the film. We're going to go out and enjoy this as a staff. And I made all our staff get up, and we went to some party. Probably Gino was heaven or something. They looked, what are you all doing here? Mm -hmm. I said, we've done everything we can do. You can't do that much more prep. We want to be loose as a staff, and we want to be ready for our team. And that's what we did, and then we came home, went to bed, and then crossed our fingers after that. But, hey, we made uh, Frank Brawls' family was there. I still remember people finding hotels, just going up to Kansas City, finding relatives to stay with. But all of a sudden, those cars and a few small jets were making their way, and it was special to see Arkansas go to the Final Four. And they had not been to a Final Four since Nolan Richardson's days when he took two teams, 93-94 when he won it, and then 94-95 when they finished second to UCLA. So real quick, can we uh, go over where maybe now some of those members of that team and like the coaching staff, just where everybody's at now? I know that this will be your first time to really all come back together as a group, but I know members of that team have gone off to do incredible things. Uh, can you just give a quick rundown of maybe like – what they're doing now. I'll talk about the coaching staff, and I will have Amber talk about the players. First, Coach Schaefer, when I left to take the Texas A&M job, I convinced him to come because he's an Aggie. He decided to come with me. And at that time also, I'd hired uh, – I'm, I'm missing the day. Uh, Kelly? No? I don't know what you're doing. Uh, Trina Tillis had already left a couple years ago to take the junior college job at Tyler Junior College, go back to East Texas. Amber, who's never going anywhere, she is Miss Arkansas. 
It's, it's every sport. This is who has made Arkansas athletics is Amber. One of our trusted employees, coaches, high school players and everything. She decided to stay here and she's done so many different jobs here for the state of Arkansas and the University of Arkansas. She's the one that you'll always remember. That's Miss Arkansas right there. That's Miss Arkansas. And I'm gonna let Amber talk about the players, where they are, because I'm anxious to see a lot of them myself. Well, you know, Christy Smith, um, she is now at the University of Texas with Coach Schaefer. She is his director of operations. Um, so she's back into coaching. She took a little break from that and is now back, back into it. Um, Kamara Stancil lives in Muskogee, Oklahoma, so just across the way, looking forward to seeing her. Um, Tiffany Wright was a sports anchor out in Charlotte for a number of years, and now she's uh, she kind of got out of that business is in the, in in the corporate world. And uh, Robin Roberts helped her get that job yeah. by meeting her at the Final Four when we went there. Robin yeah. Roberts is the one that did the recommendation. Right. So she's done she's done great things. Um, Treva Christensen lives in Florida. Um, I don't know exactly what she's doing, but uh, I think it's in the education realm. Um, Satya Messer is the head coach at Central Florida University. This will be her second year, I think. Second year. Second year. Um, Brandy Whitehead, who was a red shirt on that team, she had torn her ACL at the beginning of the year. She's a assistant principal in Texas. Um, so she'll be here. Wendy Willits has had a great uh, coaching career in the high school ranks in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Uh, been to numerous state tournaments. Had had several really, really good players go on to play college basketball. Um, she was WNBA first WNBA championship for the Los Angeles yeah, Sparks. Yeah, she, she had a stint with, with them. Uh, Celia Anderson, uh, who came off the bench in the Duke game, had gave us valuable minutes. She is in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, she's a native of Little Rock, um, but she is um, kind of like their business development for like Chamber of Commerce or convention, uh, Visitors Convention, does that kind of work. Um, Lonnie Bragg is, lives in Arkadelphia, another Arkansas, Arkansas product. Um, am I missing? Carrie Satterfield. Carrie Satterfield. Uh, she is also a high school coach in Batesville. Uh, she's from, originally from Mountain Home. Um, so she's been in high school coaching, I think, pretty much since um, she graduated. Um, Tennille Adams. And Tennille Adams from East Chicago, Indiana. She is, she's been in college coaching for a number of years and now is at uh, an assistant coach at the University of Alabama. Uh, so she'll, she'll be here this weekend. Looking forward to seeing her. Um, when you think about the role on. playing yeah. back there yeah. just then, yeah. Celia Anderson in the Duke game came off. Both Carlin and Jones were in foul trouble. I said, go into the ball game, and she's guarding Michelle Van Gorp, 6'6". Six, six. And I said, whatever you do, drop step her the first time, stick that elbow back, score on her. She did, and the coach at uh, Duke got so mad at at Van Gorp letting a bench player who'd only played about 48 minutes the whole year 
come in and give us the most valuable four minutes in that ball game. Scored those two points, shut down Van Gorp, got her out of the ball game. That that was a special time. But each person did their role. Treva Christensen hitting some impossible shots. Wendy Willis doesn't start a ball game until the NCAA tournament. Then come in as nothing but threes. Fort Cobb, Oklahoma. Uh, and who's our other role player that came in during? Tenilk had a huge ah. putback, uh, offensive rebound putback. Um, it's like a it, minute left, right? Yeah, I think uh, it put us up for good. I think if 70, I remember right, seventy. Gave us the lead. We were down by one. Seventy-three, seventy-two. After and she her gave break. us the lead, I think. Yeah. yeah. And she's a former uh, McDonald's All-American from East Chicago, Indiana, and just did a great job. And now she's doing a tremendous job as a coach. So everybody played their role. I think I think I forgot Karen Carlin. She lives out in New Mexico. This will be um, – she's been back before, but it's been a while. So it, I think she's going to be surprised about how – University's changed and everything. And then Karen Jones, uh, who was our six-foot post player, lives in Texas. Um, and she was our uh, probably our all-time leading charge taker. Great uh, at that. Karen Jones could have played for Nolan's team. She had that uh, meanness in her that Nolan demanded out of his post players. She had that way and the sharpest elbows you ever faced. Karen Carlin was just smooth, silk, free throw jumper, find a way. And then the next year is when she blew her knee out and we had to go to the WNIT. She blew her knee out at the Auburn game. And so she was never, but she's a great player, one of the best four players we've ever had here was Karen Carlin. So... You heard Coach Blair uh, really speak highly of you. I'm going to give you a chance to kind of wrap us up. You know, Gary was inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame last month, and Amber, you got to work alongside him long before he was ever, you know, taking that stage in Massachusetts for that. But I'm sure you saw some Hall of Fame qualities in him working on his staff. Just, um, you know, would you mind sharing what kind of makes Gary a Hall of Fame coach in your head? Yeah, I mean, he's he's a, he's a legend. I mean, uh, for me to be able to work for him was really special. And, um, you know, you can just – we played against him when I was a player, and I got mad at him because he would like to run and jump, and I was a point guard. And uh, I had quite a few turnovers in that one particular game that I remember. But um, when he asked me to stay on as a GA, you know, I knew that that was uh, something that was really going to benefit me, just learning from him how he handled people. And obviously the X and O's. His mind works like a, to me, it works like an offensive coordinator for a, a football team. Like he just sees the game so well through that lens and the adjustments that he makes throughout the game. Um, I was always just amazed at how he could see that uh, in the flow of the game, like as it's going on. Because, um, you know, it, it, sometimes that's really hard to do. Um, so just being able to work underneath him was, uh, you know, an awesome privilege. And I think, you know, he just helped my career so much, um, to be where I am today and taught me more than just about basketball, but like, he's so good with people, cares about them. Um, 
you know, I always told him he should run for mayor or something because he's such a great uh, PR guy. But um, everywhere he's gone, he's had success. So that tells you what kind of person he is. It tells you what kind of coach he is. And he's deserving of every single, I don't know how many it is now, Coach, how many Hall of Fames you're in, but you're deserving of every single one of them. Ten? Ten. Ten. I mean, that's unimaginable. It's crazy. But remember, for me to get to Arkansas and make this choice back in 93, I had to lose to Arkansas first. We were number three in the nation at Stephen F. Austin. And Amber and Monica DeHorney and Juliet Jackson, and I'm trying to remember all of them, they beat us. We were on the West Coast back then, too, and they upset us in a ball game. And the little general right here found a way to pull that off. So when Arkansas came calling for me in the spring of 2003, I said, sure, I, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of the SEC but I knew I wanted to be a part of Amber going forward. And how many years has that been? What's How many years you've been at Arkansas as a player and as a coach now? Ethan said 36. I lost track. Yeah, 36. That's pretty good. Well, she can round it out. I quit at 50. Okay, so I made 50 years. So uh, hopefully uh, she's got 50 years in her coaching career. Well, Gary and Amber, this has been an absolute treat to have you on. I hope that you really enjoy this weekend and feel well celebrated for that team that 25 years ago stole the hearts of the Razorback Nation. So. Well, the people that are listening, come out and meet these kids. Come see these kids. But also the most important thing, come and see the new kids. Mike Neighbors has an excellent program and his team this year is going to be fighting to get into that top four in the SEC this year. So please come out and see this team. They're very good. Well, each week before we close the show, I highlight a game changer of the week. Last week it was Taylor Head of Volleyball, and this week we're going to keep with the 98 team celebration and keep our game changer of the week with women's basketball. A reminder, this weekly title is given to someone who's doing something in their competition to play in the community or in the classroom that makes them a game changer. And this week's game changer of the week is sophomore women's basketball player Miriam Dowda, who is quite literally going to be a game changer this week. She is Arkansas's representative on the SEC Basketball Leadership Council. And if you don't know what that is, each school gets to have one player on this board, and they're meeting at the league's offices in Birmingham today and tomorrow. And while they're there, they're tasked with kind of being that channel communication from their team to the SEC office to discuss the student-athlete experience, student-athlete wellness, and then also to give some feedback on uh, proposed rule changes by the league and the NCAA. So Miriam Dowda is representing the Razorbacks this weekend at that convention, and if you've ever gotten a chance to meet her, you understand why she was the team's choice. So our Game Changer of the Week is Miriam Dowda of Women's Basketball. Well, folks, this has been another episode of the Game Changers podcast. I'm Ethan Westerman. I appreciate you listening in, and I'll see you at the same time next Friday. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media. 